Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. Here's your goddamn warning. <laughs> you need it. I'm Ashley. <laughs> I'm Alex. <laughs> and we're getting hygge. We're, we're getting properly hygge this time. Are we properly hygge? Well, just lately we have been like, I don't want to. I didn't really want to today, but you sort of were like, we better. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't kind of my day. idea. It was your segment to begin with. I'm just saying, you know, it's been a it's been a beautiful and sunny week, but today it's a little cloudy. It's gloomy. Yeah, it's it's overcast. It's gray. It rained a little, apparently. So you know, we're just we're just hunkering down, trapped in our home. <laughs> I've got some English breakfast. You've got some sugar cookie sleigh ride with some sugar in it. Yes, it's gonna be sweet. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. And we've got this candle burning. I really like it. We're sort of splitting the difference here because it's rather a springy candle. It's this lovely uh, cucumber wasabi cilantro Where'd you get that one again? That weird... (laughs) <laughs> that weird store at the the Lloyd Center Mall in Portland. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Uh, that's like it's like a almost like a Saturday market type store where they've mm-hmm. got different stuff from different like craftsmen. Back from the before inside days. B- the before times. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got that um that Rush vinyl record. <laughs> also. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, but it's nice and it's like a local candle maker. So you've got to feel good about that. Yeah. It's great. I don't know about the wasabi. I don't really smell it, but it's a nice sort of fresh green smell. Yeah. I feel like the wasabi, the smell of wasabi is not necessarily what you would think if you were just smelling was like, you know, it, it doesn't, wasabi doesn't gonna smell have like a taste. lot of fragrance. Yeah. And also like, like what are they using for the scent of that? Like not actually Japanese wasabi. That would be way too expensive. And also pointless. Like, and also, if you use the actual product, it would be hurt your skin. Well, I mean, you're not putting. I'm thinking of soap. Anyway, <laughs> I. <laughs> we should move on. <laughs> Let's. We've spent enough time on our hygge. Uh, so we're doing our five minute masters, and you're first. Okay, so I bought a book. It's a good book. It's this big it's a it's like a it's like a paperback textbook it's a it's literally a paperback textbook the queer encyclopedia of visual arts um it's very much an encyclopedia it's very much an encyclopedia it's frustrating in the order that things are in but that's just how encyclopedias are it's not like it's not um chronological it's alphabetical so because it's an encyclopedia it's an encyclopedia and it doesn't have images or anything it's there are some near the back but because it's like some it's works of art that'd probably be too expensive to yeah well and i'm i'll bet you know for like educational purposes there's but anyway it would just be too big like there's so much listed in there oh my gosh i've been i've been going through highlighting all the artists and their works that are listed. Mm-hmm. But today, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to speak to you of John Singer Sargent. We love him. We do love him. Um, he's actually probably one of the more famous painters in this book. Probably so. Um, Even if you don't know him, you've, you've seen, seen his work. It's very sort of classical, very like, oh, you're, you were rich and you had one of these, like... Yeah, um, it's a lot of um, portraits and figures. A lot of portraits. Um, but he was born in 1856 and died in 1925. So it was in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he's known for developing a fashionable style, ultimately influenced by some other people. Um, but he also sort of became the one who sort of showed the world what a dandy is. Mm, we love those. So uh, he sort of painted, uh, they say in the book, they say he created archetypal images of elegant androgynous figures known as dandies. Mm-hmm. Um even his women were a little dandyish. Oh yes, and like not just like the ones that like we, we were looking through uh-huh. paintings of his the other day, um, and even the ones that are like very like oh drop dead gorgeous ball gown like mm-hmm. all that like they're still like very like tall, tall and kind of broad, broad mm-hmm, kind very of broad. angular mm-hmm. hair usually up as well, uh-huh. which is the time as well. Yeah, but uh, but that's also sort of the influence of the dandy is like oh it was the time period too like. Androgyny was very cool. Very cool. Uh, that's not the only thing cool about John Singer Sargent. Mm. Um, most scholars have asserted that Sargent was essentially an asexual individual devoted only to his career uh, and eager to accept uh, be accepted as a member of high society. Um, and he maintained an impeccable and restrained reputation. Mm. However. However. Sargent moved free- freely in the emerging gay, cult- gay circles in London and Boston. Hmm. So he may have been asexual. He's never he was never really in any sort of relationship historically that we know with anyone. Of. Yeah. But he He was a member of the queer community. He was anyway. a member of the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um my assumption would be either gay and just couldn't be it out. He was at just the time. very, very private about it. That or like uh, homoromantic. Right. Well, and it is interesting that if he was known to move in gay circles, but not known to have any lovers, you know, I feel like if if we know that he moved in gay circles, we would know if he'd had any lovers. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, there are people that he painted, that, but like, you know, he was just devoted to his work, which mm-hmm. you can see. And that's oh, why yeah. he's probably the most famous yeah. person in this book. You should name besides, some, of like, his, Warhol. some of his more um, sort of well-known... So they don't have a lot of them listed in here. Because um, there's um, Madame X, which I just love. Yes. Um, but the sort of, the thing that drew me to him was not his portraits necessarily. Um, but, um, let's see, what does it say? Okay. Sergeant's sensitivity to the beauties of the nude male figure is the most evident in an essential series, extensive series of studies and watercolors, which never exhibited while he was alive. Hmm. Um, they were kept in his personal possession. One of the group of sketches depict a mature, notably athletic figure in bold stances. Um, so he has a ton of nudes. <laughs> well, any self-respecting any self-respecting figure artist figure does. Figure artist does. Yes. But just private nudes. They're private nudes. <laughs> <laughs> they were kept in a special folder on his phone. <laughs> um, labeled boring stuff. Labeled boring stuff. Um, and even even some of his like more known works, like this one lists um, on his holidays, is one of the paintings. It's like a um, uh, a hiking scene. Mm-hmm. But it features an attractive, youthful hiker resting in a sensual pose alongside a mountain stream. He had a lot of sensual poses. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely appreciated the beauty of the human form. Oh, whether yes. or not he was a 
sexually active person. Yeah, he was like, I know this is interesting this to look is, at. This is really beautiful. I'm going to do a lot of studies of this. Yeah, he, he could appreciate it, whatever his proclivities were. Yes. Um, but he's been one of the, the really fun little finds from this. And I don't think I actually... I was actually... Before I got this book, I was just on my own, like, going through online resources, mm-hmm. uh, finding queer painters and uh paintings that sort of coincided with what i've been writing about um and he came up so yeah yeah and then he's just in this book as well i love it i love his work um well i'm gonna keep things sort of in an artistic realm i'm gonna tell you about the color green and how it may have killed napoleon bonaparte sounds good (laughs) (laughs) so are you familiar with the pigment known as shields green No, I am not. It was extremely popular during the Victorian period and highly toxic. Wonderful. Because it was basically arsenic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sort of chemical compound contained arsenic and was like... They just used it in everything. Like, they loved this pigment. It, It was invented in the late 1700s by a chemist by the name of Scheel. <laughs> um, and they just they just used it on it. These wacky Victorians were wild about this color green. What a legacy to have invented a color green that is everybody's favorite and also kills them. Kills uh, just a lot of... Well, and it's like we can't really know how many people were harmed by this. Right, because they're like, oh, somebody was struck down. But, yeah, like, they would yeah. Not oh, have... they wasted away. Right, exactly. Yeah. Nobody, they wouldn't. Uh, but, you know, they'd use it in dresses and they would Dresses? Color- oh, yeah. If if you see any, like, old Victorian Aww. dress that's green, it's probably Shields Ouch green. skin. Yeah. Well, and it, you, you would just sort of start absorbing it and, like, <sighs> get arsenic poisoning. Um, it was used to, like, color some children's toys. Of course, yeah. Um, food... Like, 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 like they lime would, jello. Like, yeah, well, like blancmange, like make a green blancmange with shields green. Um, so that's scary. Uh, it was also, there was a similar pigment called Paris green that was, um, they were trying to, uh, improve upon shields green. Um, but eventually both greens were made obsolete by cobalt green known as zinc green, which is far less toxic than either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the most popular uses for Shields green was wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Green wallpaper was all the rage. It's beautiful, bright, sort of a yellow-green pigment. Um, and Napoleon Bonaparte's exile home on the island of St. Helena had a lot of Shields green wallpaper in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he, his autopsy after his death revealed a tumor in his stomach, but you know, there were a lot of complaints in his household on St. Helena of like illness, a child died, his butler died, like people weren't well in this house. Um, and the thing about Shields Green is it gives off arsenic when uh basically like the wallpaper was susceptible to giving off arsenic when 
it became moldy. Dampness and would cause mold, and the mold would cause the arsenic to release. So it was and not only mold, but also arsenic. But also arsenic. And this was an island. So yes. you know it was Surrounded humid. by the sea. Yep, that as an island usually is. <laughs> uh, and so, pro- so, and the thing is, arsenic is also highly carcinogenic. So even if it, he didn't die of arsenic poisoning, mm-hmm. it's very Slowly, possible that yeah. his cancer was exacerbated yeah. by the arsenic. Uh it's pretty interesting to think that his prison may have actually actively killed him. Um, but yeah, it's pretty pretty freaky. And apparently, like in sort of in the United Kingdom, uh, green sweets have been sort of um taboo. Yeah, for a while because it's like, oh, don't eat green, don't eat, don't eat things that are colored green. <laughs> Um, so that's the very, in a nutshell, version of Shields Green and Napoleon's death. I just thought it was so interesting that this color was so, so popular mm-hmm. and so, so deadly. <laughs> like, for like a hundred years, people were using this. That's wild. Yeah. They just loved it. I mean, lead, right? Right. Right. People use lead for a lot of, long time. A long time. But arsenic! Yeah, it's freaky. Anyways, <laughs> we have been this. We've been watching a lot of musicals lately. Musicals. Alex. We've been having a musical time. It was it was begun by you. <laughs> I began it. Well, you went to the store and you brought home some movies. Well, yes. <laughs> and one of those movies you brought home was 2019's Cat. So finally, after all this time of I've just been waiting, waiting, waiting for you to see it, we finally sat down and watched it together. Yes, Jellicle Cats. So what do you think of Cats? I loved it, but not in like a, like a, like a hipstery kind of like, oh, it was so bad it was good way. Like I genuinely liked it. Mm-hmm. It was upsetting, mm-hmm. but really only for the CG. Yes. Like, if it hadn't been so, like, done wrong, yeah, they they done. It I dirty. wouldn't have been mad at any of it. I know you have some more specific <laughs> dis disagreements with the film, <laughs> but I thought it was fun. Even sort of the stupid stuff that you hated, I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, well, and you know, I I may have said this before, but like. As this movie actually, as much as I have disagreements with it and like complaints and think it's the most psychotic thing I've ever seen, it made me like the show Cats more. (laughs) It really did. It extended its legacy. It made me appreciate it more than I did. And I've seen it on stage, professional production of Cats. But... I think the good, the thing about this version of cats is it finally illuminates to the world what it actually is and so they're not blinded by whatever they saw in it before (laughs) like they actually sort of see what it is and they're not just like oh everybody likes it so we like it yeah how do you mean like what it is like it's weird 
weird. It's super weird. And it's not good, but it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. how it's not like a story. It isn't, but this movie has one. has one anyway. It has one anyway. <sighs> yeah, I... It's kind of funny, because yeah. So I saw the stage show as a teen, and I really enjoyed it. And then I grew older and perhaps a bit more discerning and also a bit more pretentious. And I was like, you know what? Actually, Cats doesn't have a plot and it's just a lot of nonsense. Mm -hmm. What was he thinking? What even is this? And I, I had to, I had to be, you know, it it was one of those things where it's like, oh, Cats is so popular and actually it's not that good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this movie, seeing it when it came out last year, sort of reminded me the fun of it. Yeah. It's... You can turn your brain off. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just silly. I... Now, the the aspects of it, like, I, I like... I like the songs. I think that the versions of the songs in the movie are, by and large, not as good as the official cast recordings. But... You know, it's good, fun music. Uh, it's really just the 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 new stuff that they put into the movie that rankles me. Mm-hmm. But also, that's sort of the fun of it. Yeah, it's the, like it's crazy nonsense. Look at all these horrible mistakes they made along the way. What were they thinking? <laughs> I I I likened it recently to the film Showgirls mm-hmm. for that reason, where it's like part of the fun of it is how much of a mess it is. Yeah. Almost in a in a way a little bit like Avatar too. Explain yourself. The the CG <laughs> the, film. The the JJ Abrams film? No, uh James Cameron. Oh, 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 sorry, yeah, that's what I mean. James Cameron. James Cameron. Uh how it's just so much that they didn't see the small things. Yeah. <laughs> like how it's just Fern Gully. <laughs> One could accuse that. Um You know, where it's like couldn't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that in the case of cats, Tom Hooper really could not see the forest for the trees. He couldn't see the cats because he doesn't know what a cat is. He doesn't know what a cat is. I'm not sure anyone who's worked on this film knows what a cat is. Yeah. Uh, Except for Judy Dench. Judy Dench with her leg in the air. She's the only one that knows what a cat, cat is because she tells you she directly tells, at the end well, of the film. Well, she tells you that a cat is not a dog, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a low bar to clear. <laughs> Uh, but we don't know what a dog looks like because we never see one. We never see the what must be a terrifying, slightly smaller than human sized human dog on Who the other side. Who should they of the cast for the dog? The human dog? Yeah. Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black. <laughs> I was going to say he's not British, but half the cast isn't British. No, they don't have to be British. Jason Derulo is there. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is there. Yeah. No, you don't have to be British to be in Cats. You just have to fake it poorly. Yes. So. (laughs) Cats. It's. So. You know, I feel like we were going to. So we've got a couple other musicals we watched recently that we're going to discuss. But I feel like we kind of just have to. Bring all three into a larger discussion. So yeah. for now, let's move on to number two, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll bring it all home yes. eventually. So we decided because it was quarantine Easter, <laughs> we decided to watch the 
70s film version of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. I've seen it many times. I've never seen it. You've never seen it. I love this show and I love this movie. What did you think? I was obsessed with it. Yeah. Like, I, the, some of the songs aren't my thing at all. But I do love, like, hippies in the desert in Israel. Yeah, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. In, like, ruins. They're... That's the thing about this film. So if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the 70s film version of Jesus Christ Superstar, they went to the ruins of old Jerusalem and they filmed on them. Like on them. No one had gotten permission to do this before. They did it. They were given permission to film Jesus Christ Superstar. So it's like, it's really wild because rather than trying to sort of Tom Hooper style build you know make it look real really it's bare bones the sets there's only one like set and that's like the the little um bazaar right yes the uh the the market at the temple Mm -hmm. and then Ah, the scaffolding and then the scaffolding like those are the only artificial things that and the crane holding yeah But yeah, it's just it's just like old stone ruins with people standing on them. Yeah, and they're in caves and they're on rocks and they're doing freeze frames sleeping in the air. And yeah, so yeah, basically the bazaar at the temple is like the only like constructed thing. Yeah, and it's just like a lot of tables and things in between columns. Like, it's open air. Like they didn't even build like yeah, a no, building. Yeah, there's no yeah, building there. It's yeah. just a bunch of stuff set up. Yeah, in the ruins. Lots of junk. Lots of junk. Like that Jesus comes through and knocks just over. Just throws it all on the ground. Like a cat. That's how they connect. It's so good. Yeah, angry Jesus just throwing shit. This is everywhere. a very emotional Jesus. Flipping tables. He's an extremely emotional Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so if. For the uninitiated, Jesus Christ Superstar is the story of the last days of Jesus Christ, mostly told told from the perspective of a sympathetic Judas Iscariot. Who's Uh, like, why is my boyfriend giving everybody else attention? Yeah, this isn't what I signed (laughs) up for, basically. He's like, oh, I didn't want to be a fucking politician. Or no, more of, I wanted to be a politician, not like some sort of godlike figure yeah like he doesn't this he's like i liked our politics when we were just like a ragtag group of teens we, yeah we were just like a charity group of like revolutionaries yeah we were just a touring bus of hippies putting on productions right and and he this is a judas who is unsure about the divinity of jesus christ yeah so he's gonna test the waters a little bit by having him murdered well okay and i think that <laughs> He didn't think that Jesus was going to be murdered. This yes. version of Judas. Well, and also things escalate. Things escalate. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. He was a little bit tricked by the Pharisees. Yes. Um, But he was just like, things are getting really out of hand. And I don't like the way things are going. And I think that this has to end. Yeah. He's so, like, how do we slow things down? How do I slow things down? Maybe if Jesus gets arrested, we can like... Calm down, rethink a little rethink, bit. Rethink, because this is getting really, really, really crazy. Yeah, because, um, like, now we're in danger. Right, and he's afraid that they're going to ruin everything for the Hebrews in mm-hmm. Jerusalem. He's afraid that the Romans are going to crack down 
and he's got to do something because he thinks that this, their behavior is irresponsible. Um, and it's because he's a skeptic. Uh, and you know, you know, you know how the story plays out. <laughs> you know that one. But I will say, like, I'm not overly familiar with this story, at least the details of right. it. Right. But in this version, like we said, things escalate very quickly where it's like, okay, Jesus, you're under arrest. Let's go talk to this guy. He's yeah. like, I don't Let's see a problem. Let's talk to Pilate. And Pilate's like, hey, this isn't my job. Yeah. So go talk to- Go talk to Herod. Herod. And then Herod's like, I'm going to sing a groovy ass song. It is the best. Herod's song is the best. And he's like, fuck you. But I don't have the legal jurisdiction to execute this guy. He's like, walk on water, but I'm not going to kill you because you can't. Well, yeah, because Herod's basically like, I would put you to death, but I don't have the legal authority to do that. So we have to go back to Pilate. And then Pilate's like, I still don't have it. And then the angry crowd's like, do it. Do it. And he's like, there's literally no reason to execute this guy. He hasn't broken the law. And they're like, you better kill him. And he's like, I don't, please, Jesus, just give me like any fucking reason to tell them no. Like, just please help me out. And Jesus is like, I don't want to say nothing. Yeah, because Jesus, like, that's the whole thing is like, hey, um, this is, your sins are up to you, man. Yeah. Until, until tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. When they're all on me. <laughs> Just hold tight. Uh, but yeah, the, Pilate is a very interesting and sympathetic figure in... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar. He's like, I don't like what I have to do as the boss of Also, he, you, he, this poor actor, is in so much velvet so in the middle much. of the desert. And yeah. everyone else is not wearing They're shirts. They're all wearing tank tops and, and shit. And he's in crushed velvet top and cape. Yeah. And it's long a- 70s hair. Yeah. He's wearing a lot. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, it looks... <laughs> poor Pontius Pilate. Poor Pilate. <laughs> poor old Pilate. Uh... So the thing that's really cool, and we've talked about it a little, about this adaptation of Jesus Christ Superstar, is that it requires a lot of suspension of disbelief. Because, you know, we are we are shown in the beginning these hippies bussing in. and to like put on a performance. Getting ready to go. Um, and it's, so we've got a little bit of a frame tale, but it's also like, they are sort of also these characters, actually. yeah. yeah. But then they're not Mm because they're coming in on a bus. And they all get to go home except for Jesus. They all get to go home except for Ted Neely, who's still up on that cross. (laughs) To this day. (laughs) To this day, Ted Neely is still there on the cross. Uh, But but you just really get sucked into it because you're already making the leap. Like, you're, you're willing to follow this all singing all dancing story of jesus christ Mm -hmm. because we're already like accepting like oh that's a temple it's a it's a it's a pile of rocks with a scaffolding on them but it's a temple yeah you know this is a this is a great roman villa even though it's just like some pathways on a hillside yeah and so you're already like making a lot of leaps well and like the only thing like artificial or non-diegetic or whatever is the setup yeah and the takedown yeah the stuff that's outside the scope of the story And there's also no dialogue no dialogue it's all sung so it's very easy to be sucked in because you're like okay they're putting on a show for me and then the show starts and you're like now this is real now this is real because it doesn't stop yeah it's 
I, I do love, uh, I mean, because it's a rock opera. Yeah. I, and I do love that, that, that it doesn't have any dialogue scenes. And that's part of what bugged me for Cats. Because... It should have been a, a it, Cats opera. Cats doesn't have scenes. Yeah. Cats doesn't have scenes. It doesn't have dialogue. Yeah. It's song after song after song after song. And they just, uh, like, inserted this somewhat obtrusive, just, like, nonsense. With Rebel Wilson but having a quip. Added added nonsense to the nonsense, which made too much sense. <laughs> too much nonsense. I don't know. But and and that's one thing that I that um at least for me was working against it is that Tom Hooper tried to put it in these as realistic as possible sets where like right. they're to you know, sets built to scale so that these humans look cat sized and it's like it's all taking place in like real rooms and buildings whereas the stage show it all takes place in one alley and all of this stuff is like sort of representational where the cats are like pulling out garbage to like pantomime stuff and the sets are gorgeous they're really something else (laughs) the only one that i didn't like was the milk bar because what is a milk bar also, it was like the scale of that was really wrong. That was one because where it was, it was a, like the size of a trash can. It, yeah, that's where it was especially weird. But there are definite times where it's like, how big are these cats? And of course, the the the, the song answers: Jellical cats are rather small. Jellical sa- cats are moderate size. Like they're all sizes. Yes. they're all sizes. Mm-hmm. So if the scale's off, no. Jellical cats are very inclusive. They're everything. Every cat's a jellical cat. They have magic. They have a lot of magic. They can do lots of teleports. Mostly teleporting. Yeah, mostly, mostly the magic is teleporting. Mostly teleport magic. <laughs> Which I mean, I don't know about you, but I've owned cats that have teleported. Well, and that's what the song. Mr. Mistopheles is talking about like he's a magical cat because he's just anywhere, yeah. nowhere. Like that's that's what the song. Now this movie just sort of doesn't care what the diet, what the <laughs> what the lyrics of the song are uh, of any song of any song. But that's what is magic about Mr. Mistopheles is that he seems to teleport around. Yeah, Macavity um, less. So, um, mostly he's just like a, a wicked, naked man. <laughs> yeah, he is a naked. He is a naked man, and also, like his song is just about how he's a nasty cat who gets up to mischief, and yeah. he, he's broken every human law. He breaks the laws of gravity, <laughs> <laughs> and he does that in this movie. He's broken every human law. But if he can break the laws of gravity, why can't he just float fly up, up to the heavy side layer? I don't know. I mean. This show doesn't make any sense. Like, I was half expecting him to, like, turn to stone in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Especially without his, like, hat and... And the hat and the coat. And he was like, ah! He was a little villainy. Yeah. Um, And then, most recently, we watched Moulin Rouge. Which you had seen, yeah. but not in quite a long time. Not in a while. I've watched it more times and much more recently. And we just wanted to. We just felt like it. We just felt like it, okay? Get off my back. <laughs> it was a work night and we did it anyway. We stayed up till 10 o'clock. <laughs> which normally I go to bed by 8, at least up to my room. But for you and McGregor. For you, oh. He's so cute. Now the thing that sets this one apart 
from the other two shows is that it was a film first. It is now a stage show, but we don't need to talk about the stage show. It was also, well, I don't know how the, the critical reception of Jesus Christ Superstar, but it was a huge hit. Yeah, I, I think Jesus Christ Superstar was pretty, um, was a pretty big deal. And Cats was huge. I mean, critics didn't like it, but audiences loved it. Did they? Oh, hugely. You don't know? Cats was- No, 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 this one. Oh, no, 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 no. I just mean the stage. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, I know the original is a huge hit. Yeah. That's why there's a DVD of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, the thing about when that came out was Hollywood was in a real weird time for musicals. We had, this is a post-Hello Dolly world where the going wisdom was people don't want musicals anymore. Yeah. Um... Now, so basically the only musicals that were coming out were either like, uh, you know, more sort of grounded, realistic type musicals like Cabaret, where they made all the songs diegetic. Mm-hmm. Um, they took out everything non-diegetic from it for the film. Or like weird camp counterculture underground stuff like Rocky Horror. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of an odd time Which to put out. Jesus Christ Superstar is like the exact middle of those two. <laughs> right. Because it, it is definitely sort of a weird hippie musical. Yeah. Like it's, it's. and it, Especially when you get to Herod when everybody's in drag. And oh, like, it's so camp. It's wild. Uh, he's adorable. Um, but it is kind of a weird show. And it was actually um, somewhat radical mm-hmm. like a lot of places like oh, banned sure. it because I'm it's for sure. being irreligious yeah when it's like actually it's quite religious it is well <laughs> and that was the the interesting thing about that time was just people were a lot more touchy mm-hmm. <laughs> about that kind of thing um because it was questioning the divinity of jesus christ and it was implying that mary magdalene had like romantic feelings for jesus mm-hmm. and it was just like a little too much it's like okay but also it implies that judas has romantic feelings for that's jesus. definitely <laughs> yes that's definitely there's the a, subtext there's a there's an undertone of that uh god it's beautiful <laughs> there's so much kissing I, I, lots of kids well Judas, must you betray me with a kiss? Ah. Ah. <laughs> love that show. I love it. Um, but Moulin Rouge was just like a, an unexpected smash hit yeah. as a film when it came and, out. And on paper, it doesn't make much sense. It's it's silly. It's so silly. But the the year was 2002. And <laughs> anything any, was possible. Anything was possible in film. What a... <laughs> wild time it was huh it was just every love song jam-packed into one movie one song one song <laughs> on top of an elephant <laughs> in the, str- the the clouds of paris yes uh it's just so fun and so sad s- so sad but so silly too yeah. it's not afraid to just be extremely silly yeah and it the way that it endears you to these characters means that you're ready for it to get serious when yeah. it does. You care about them deeply. Even if, you know, you and McGregor is like, ooh, 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 
like but Ewan McGregor isn't like Ugh. well he does at times I mean in like the group numbers and stuff he's yeah pretty but he's, he's like the most like the most grounded most grounded yeah. like even she's way more than him she's a lot she's a lot Satine like is a lot like when she's trying to seduce him yeah it's super funny she's like, <laughs> she's, like she's like the cowardly lion just writhing around on the ground it's fantastic <laughs> Um, it's just so silly yeah. and it puts him into these positions where he's like, Oh, what do I do? <laughs> like it's, it's cute and it's funny. And so when they finally punch you right in the face, it hurts even more. <laughs> but yeah, people didn't really, I mean, it's so Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anyone could have predicted how well this would land. Like it was just the right moment. It's like. So the, the his movie before this is Romeo plus Juliet. Yes. Which everybody really likes. Yes. I like it. But also Romeo and Juliet is just so tired. Which at the time it was like the freshest thing ever. Like this version. Right. To, to take now, a classic and do that to it. But in 2020 it's like okay. Everybody's already, you know, chomped his flavor. And, <laughs> yeah. and we were tired of that kind of thing. But yeah, at the time it was like, whoa, you yeah. can do that to Shakespeare. But Moulin Rouge hasn't lost any of that sparkle. No. No, no it hasn't. Because there's nothing else like it. Not yeah. really. The, I would say the closest thing to it is... Uh, uh, Elton John uh, Rocket Man Rocket Man is the closest thing to it and it's only because they have the same songs in them yeah <laughs> and I mean to a degree you know they're not afraid to get really big and, and theatrical yeah um, and a little bit fantasy yeah yeah they've got these really fantastical elements which you know at the time of say Jesus Christ Superstar people were really afraid of mm-hmm. you know it was it was it's also a little bit across the universe too Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another one that's not afraid to get really fantastical. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the 70s, you know, as as much as Jesus Christ Superstar asks you to suspend your disbelief, it's very grounded. Nothing is happening that's, like, really... No miracles happen. Nothing. No miracles happen. You never see a miracle. You don't see the resurrection. It ends at the crucifixion. I was really surprised by that. Because yeah. I was like, it's Easter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm nope. going to see him come back. No, nope, no, nope, no resurrection in this one. And so it is left as a question. Yeah. Um, The most sort of miraculous thing we see is the sort of post-death musical number with Judas. But that's sort of like, okay, he's in heaven, like whatever. But, you know, he's still standing on these rocks and yeah he's still there it's it's, coming down from a crane yeah on a star it's great but in so much fringe oh just body length fringe (laughs) it's fantastic deep deep v-neck on his jumpsuit Mm -hmm. love it and he looks so much better after he's had a nice refreshing dip in the cool waters of heaven (laughs) yeah he looks fantastic (laughs) but yeah at that time like fantasy was out you know, 70s cinema was really grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then cat, Cats and musicals right now are in such a weird place. Because, you know, before Cats, Tom Hooper made Les Miserables. And he was trying to do a gritty and grounded period piece out of the most, potentially most bombastic musical <laughs> ever to be on the stage. It's like he hates musicals. If I'm getting, I get some like X Men vibes, like the original X Men trilogy, where it's like he's a af- he's afraid of the source material. 
afraid to let it be what it is. Um, and so, and I see that again with cats where it's like, he's trying to make it real and it's never, it never was. No, it's an escape. It can't be real. It's impossible for this to be real. And so you land in this uncanny valley where it's like they're crawling around and meowing, but then they're wearing sneakers. And (laughs) honestly, I'm fine with that. It's just that he didn't know how to make essentially a movie in this this well, in this decade. Cats is a dance show and he doesn't let you see them dancing very well. Because if you saw them you would see too much. <laughs> like it's a dance show. That's the whole point is to watch these people dance like cats. And he's like framing it in such a way where it's like he's just like cutting around and like zoom like close-ups and it's like no no i want to see that crowd of people doing their ensemble dance can i watch them please tom i promise i won't get bored please let me watch them you're like i really don't want to watch them because of your horrible (laughs) decisions with the cg but let me watch them and i do think that i i I want to do the due diligence to acknowledge that the CG artists are not to blame. No. For any of this. Because I said, he doesn't know how to make a movie in the year 2019. Yeah, he refused to use mocap suits and he made the animators' jobs 10 times harder. They did their very, very best and unfortunately and for- he, he hamstrung them. Yes, and with their constraints, it's serviceable. It's remarkable what they were able to pull off. But the way that they've been maligned is really unfair. Uh, they so anytime you see a cat move in this movie blame tom hooper (laughs) anytime you see them stationary applaud the cg team yes yeah these poor people these poor people (laughs) what they were put through um but yeah like musicals right now are afraid to be you know like one that sort of sits in a weird place was um into the woods Mm -hmm. how it's like trying to be like gritty but then it's into the woods and it's it's so odd it's so uncomfortable (laughs) uh but moulin rouge came out in a time when you just could make a big silly movie you could just make the biggest silliest movie and make so many like cinematography decisions that are so baffling in any other context (laughs) Do you have anything in mind? Well, like when we started, I was critiquing sort of the beginning, how it's sort of like layers and choppy. Oh, it's just silly, like fast motion with the sound effects and the goofiness. Mm -hmm. It's goofy. It is goofy. And later on, those sort of moments make a little more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're just thrown into it in the beginning. You're thrown into it and you're just like, and it it looks cheap at first, Mm -hmm. but later on it doesn't look as cheap. Because I think that what they were doing for a lot of those wackier moments was drawing on like early silent film. Yeah. Like especially early silent film comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, that's, I think was the smart move that they made because another challenge when adapting something from stage to film is that it it was written for a stage. It was written to play to the back of the house and film is, is just a different 
yeah. medium and it accomplishes different things. And so, of course, Moulin Rouge was not starting from a place of coming from the stage, but they decided to draw on early cinema in order to frame it. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of early cinema had stage productions. It, it still felt theatrical. It felt stagey and silly, but the thing that you can do with film is you can do close-up. You can really linger on mo- like the minutia of cut. human emotion. You can cut. <laughs> you can cut. And there are so many cuts. Yeah. Like in the can-can. Yeah, it's just everywhere. Just, boom, 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 it's frenetic. Which you're just like, okay, so we're all on drugs right now. And Everyone that's is thing. on drugs. Everyone is super drunken on drugs, just going crazy. And you feel it when yeah. you watch. It's mm-hmm. just the, the frenetic energy. Oh, yeah. It's it's really fun yeah. and exciting with Zidler doing flips. <laughs> He's fantastic. Jim Broadbent as Zidler so is good. If everything. Yeah. It's every 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 person in this film is so perfect. Well cast. So well cast. Uh yeah, so I just love watching movies from this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Cuz they're just they're just big and fun in a way when we were talking about how at that point cg wasn't great yeah um and so it wasn't being used extensively um you know only for specific things but the you know hollywood was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that funding was getting bigger and bigger and so bigger. they built this whole movie yeah i mean it's just all of the sets and the costumes it's just so much it's so big and bombastic in a way that, like, a movie made with CG just doesn't feel. You know, yeah. even, like, Lerman's later work with uh, uh, Great Gatsby. Yeah. Like, it, it's bigger, but it doesn't feel as big. It doesn't feel as big. Because you can tell that it's not real. Like, the, can... the party scenes feel the right size, but then anytime you're traveling anywhere, like, mm-hmm. anytime you're, like, go, like the camera's following them anywhere, like, it's all fake. You know it, and you know it's fake. It's or, good, but or it's... Or anytime they're, like, in... New York City. You're like, okay, love all this fake buildings. Yeah. Um, we're like, you know, that big elephant, it was really a big, big elephant in Moulin Rouge. And like, it was dangerous to film. 70 feet up they <laughs> yeah. were. And, and they they just did it. They just made this big elephant. Yeah. They and did. this was a dangerous movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman got hurt. She broke her broke ribs, ribs twice. Yeah, she fell Two off. separate occasions. Yeah, she fell off the big swing. <laughs> and the, also the, the corsets. corsets were were a hazard. Uh, but the costumes, costumes are so lovely. Everybody looks so good. Mm-hmm. And hey, John Singer Sargent connection. We noticed yes. this time that her black dress in the Gothic Tower looks a lot like Madame X. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not a coincidence. Not at all. Not at all. At the same time period. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it just makes this place where it's like, you know, if you see like pictures of the real Moulin Rouge, it's like, oh, it's just like a dance hall. Whereas like this just makes it seem like fairy tale land. It's so yeah. magical. It's so special. Yeah, it's like, okay, Ryder moves to the big city, gets fucked up on some oh, absinthe. As- Goes to a burlesque dance hall. Yeah. It's, that's, and then falls in love. Falls in love. Immediately. And imme- well, and that's the great thing. It's a fairy tale. And love 
at first sight is real. Mm-hmm. It really happened to them. And you just buy it. You believe it because of that song. Because <laughs> of Elton John's beautiful song, we believe that they are in love immediately. They've barely spoken, but they are in love forever. Thank you, Elton. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you for your beautiful, perfect love song. Thank you, Ewan, for performing for it. For just screaming the whole movie. It's, it's so good. In tune screaming. It's perfect. And his crying at the end is the realest fucking crying. He's like, just like... They, they probably told him that she actually died. <laughs> like, he's, he looks like he's dying. He's crying so much. He's like, gonna die of it. It's so much. Yeah. It's so good. Imagine how many takes they had to do too. Because that's a huge set. Right. They're on this big stage and everyone is there just like watching. Yeah, like 80 extras. Yeah. And a lot of like secondary characters and stuff. Like everyone is there. And she's just dying and he's just crying like they've never seen. And it's, uh, every time it gets me. Every time. I was telling you... When we were putting it on, how Dylan, my brother, had texted me somewhat recently asking, hey, do you remember how old we were that time we watched Moulin Rouge and cried for half an hour? (laughs) 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 Like, it gets me, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a beautiful film. And I I want more movie musicals to be like that. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just nodding like yeah. they're going to hear me nod. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's an auditory medium. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. Musicals are fun, Alex. They are. They're great. We don't have any more to watch right now. Well, and we, we do because quarantine, there's so many available. Yeah, I was telling you last night I watched the Karamloo, uh Phantom of the Opera that's up on YouTube right now. I think they're like every Friday putting up a different one. Yeah, I think also... Frozen on musical is going to be available too. Oh, we've got to watch Frozen. Right. We've got to watch that. Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes peeled. So yeah, that's another thing y'all can do. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Watch watch it with us because I'm, I'm really excited at all of this stuff that's being made available that normally wouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. man, film versions of musicals are like film, like stage musicals. You just... Rare. They're rare or expensive uh you know there's like the broadway hd service and it's like there's like six shows yeah there's just very little on there to justify the cost of the subscription um so it's so great that it's being made accessible at least now and i wish it was more accessible mm-hmm. i really do but we just we're just holding on waiting for the the hamilton production to come out gotta see that shit love it love it any last thoughts on musicals, Alex? No. Okay. <laughs> then let's let's do some recommendations. Okay. So I have one, but it's the same one I always have. The Magicians. It's over. You can watch it all now. Watch so all stop fucking around <laughs> and watch the damn show. I did. And it's great. <laughs> I know that some people were let down by that ending, but I was not. No, it was so good. It was good. And I think that some of the people who are complaining about it are just sad they didn't get their way. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, have you ever seen real life? Yeah. And it's just like, this is this is the story they were telling. Yeah. It's not your story. It's yeah. Alice's story. It's Alice's story. <laughs> it's 
It's good. It's good. It's a good ending. I'm satisfied with it. I cried. I cried. So, yeah. So you can too. <laughs> Cry with me about it. Ow. Oh, did you bonk? <laughs> I hit my elbow on my on my phone. Oh, no. That's a really weird thing. <laughs> it took a very long time for myself to feel it. Oh, no. Anyway, what's your recommendation? Um, so... We've been doing a lot of musical-type recommendations lately. Lots of bands and songs and things, so I'm going to keep that rolling. Because I don't think I've ever recommended The Correspondence before. I don't know. I don't think I have, so I'm going to... It doesn't sound familiar. Well, you know them. I do? Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm not surprised you don't recognize the name of the band. Uh, They they did the the song... um, uh, inexplicable, inexplicably high, inexplicably low, mm-hmm. with that great music video. Mm-hmm. Watch, here's the, the the real concrete recommendation. Go watch the music video for the correspondence song, Inexplicable. Because it's a great video, and they did it all on in camera. It's no digital effects. Like, you know, they do some, like, cutting and things like that. But, like... Nothing is CG, nothing is, it's all in camera, and it's really fun and cool. <laughs> um, but also, the the song, which the name of it is escaping me at the moment. Um, who knew? Who knew where these nights would lead? It's a very fun song. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit of, like, George Michael was writing a song about, like, Lovecraftian horrors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, like... Who doesn't want that? Uh, it's just real fun, sort of weird offbeat pop. Um, and it's a it's a good time. So check out the correspondence. We're done here. We're done here. Bye. Get out. Uh, that does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and other places. Please rate subscribe and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us tell your friends word of mouth is the best way to get the word out uh it really does make a difference uh look us up on the internet and on the twitter <laughs> on the twitters at lit Merit pod uh tell us what you're watching at home yeah how are you getting through this because we want to watch it yeah <laughs> Give us ideas. We don't know what to do with ourselves in the evening. So we just sit on the couch and we're like, browse YouTube. Right? And it's like, do we want to watch something? Do we want to commit? Yeah. Can I live with this? And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, a, a cat, cat is, is not, not a dog. dog.